Will you pray with me? Gracious and holy God, we do hunger for you this morning, Father. And we just pray that you are with us. Not only with us, but with our friends in the Ukraine as we worship together. God, bless the words that come out of my mouth. May they be yours and not mine. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. I'm Patty Connolly, one of the pastors here. And this week, we are continuing our series on the humility of Jesus. Now, Ed started our series last week talking about God creating the divine community and how we are to participate in that. But today, I'm going to be sharing about how the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. But first, I want to look at our theme verse. We are going to be sharing this theme verse each week as we go to Lent. So if you will look at Philippians 2, which is on the screen, and I have chosen the message today because I, I love the, the paraphrase. It's not a translation, it's a paraphrase. And I love how it expresses God's word. So will you read this with me this morning? Think of yourselves the way Christ, Jesus, thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave, became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death and the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. Now that is powerful stuff. But here is another scripture that just is powerful, and that's today's scripture. John 1, verse 14 in the NIV. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And again, I'd like to share what Eugene Peterson says about this verse, because I just love the way he's, he speaks to us. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. So God moved into the neighborhood. And this reminded me of a very special neighborhood that I remember. Now I'm going to ask Kathy, he will come up. And she's going to play a theme song for us. Now, your folks online, I am so sorry. But due to copyright laws, we can't show it on the live stream. So you're going to hear silence. But I think after they put the picture up, after Kathy plays a little bit, 
I think you're going to know what this is about. And if you'd like to hum along or sing along, please do. So, Kathy? Now, if you didn't catch who that was, that's Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And in honor of him, I'm wearing my red cardigan, which does not zip up, I'm so sorry, but I am wearing my tennis shoes. Because he always came into the room, took his blazer off, put his cardigan on, and then changed his shoes out. We loved Mr. Rogers. His neighborhood was perfect. He, we could put our kids in front of the TV and not worry, or we could sit in front of the TV and not worry. And whereas Sesame Street, which was before, came before Mr. Rogers, Sesame Street was about education and teaching children. But Mr. Rogers, who was an ordained Presbyterian minister, was all about the emotional needs of children. So he talked about divorce. He talked about being the new kid in school. He talked about moving away. But also, he had a happy place. This was the land of make-believe. And there was a King Friday the 13th, and a Queen Sarah Saturday. And this character, <clears throat> I thought she was creepy. <laughs> this is Elaine, Lady Elaine Fairchild. And she was the mischief maker in this series. Now, Mr. Rogers' neighborhood was perfect, but outside of that neighborhood in the real world was not. The show ran from 1969 to 2001. And for those of us who remember that time, it was a time of civil unrest, racism, conflicts, and so much more. Jesus' neighborhood was far from perfect also, the one he came into. Tim Keller, noted, the noted theologian, said, the neighborhood that Jesus moved into was one of violence, injustice, abuse of power, homelessness, refugees fleeing oppression, families ripped apart, and bottomless grief. Unfortunately, that sounds very familiar. But God chose to take on flesh and come into that neighborhood, and people did not recognize him. Maybe one reason, I think, is that Jesus looked like them. He walked among them. Charles Martin, in his book, It Is Finished, says that Jesus looked like every other prophet with a posse to follow him. The people had seen this 
many, many times. So why was this different? But Jesus was different, and John had the proof. We need to know first the purpose of John's gospel, and that was to prove to the reader, them and now us, that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus was God in the flesh. And so in verse 14, John gives the proof. It says, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. There's the evidence right there. We saw God's glory through the Son. So when did all this happen? I'm glad you asked me. Would you look at Matthew 17, verses 1 to 3 and 5 to 9, and it will be on the screen. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah, talking with Jesus. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said, don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. And they were coming down, as they were coming down to the mountain, Jesus instructed them, don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. So who was on that mountain? Peter, James, and John. John saw the glory. He saw Jesus transfigured. And he's saying now, I have evidence. I saw this. I saw God's glory. That's why Jesus was different than so many other people. So why would God come into their neighborhood? Think about it for a minute. After all, God was in the heavens far away. But I kind of think that God may have gotten a bad rap. God was blamed for fires, what we call natural disasters, bad crops, I bet even ingrown toenails, God blamed for. But to know the reason why we need to look at the end of verse 14, why God came into that neighborhood. God came with grace and truth. God came to show love, to show the real God, the one who loves us, loves our neighborhood, and wants to provide healing and hope. They needed God to come into this neighborhood, and so do we. What do our neighborhoods look like? We see wars. We see oppression. We see homelessness, we see racism, 
We now have security measures in our churches and in our schools. And I am old enough to remember when that wasn't even heard of. It's sad what our neighborhoods are like. So how can God move into our neighborhoods? Through us. We are called to be Jesus with skin, as my good friend Lynn Beebe calls it. We are called to be Jesus with skin. We are called to go amongst them and feed the hungry, comfort the lonely, and bring the good word that God loves them. Our friend, Pastor Vlad, does this in the Ukraine. And again, I hope you will come hear him and hear about all the good work that we are sharing with him as he goes out. It's dangerous work, and I'm sure it's overwhelming. But that church and Pastor Vlad keeps after it. And being Jesus with skin also involves maybe advocacy, or it could be very uncomfortable. Let me go back to Mr. Rogers. In 1969, when racial unrest had escalated and tensions were high, Mr. Rogers had an episode, oh, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, where he was in the backyard with his feet in a wading pool, cooling off on the day. But what was so unorthodox, and if you'll show the picture, he was sharing a wading pool with his friend, the African-American mailman. And they did a reunion later on. This, there's both of them. This was a radical move on Fred Rogers. But it showed that we're all the same, we all have painful feet, and we all need a little cooling off every once in a while. Fred Rogers also testified before Congress about the value of the public broadcasting system when a new administration had come in and threatened to cut them out of the budget. When 9-11 happened, just a month after his series ended, Fred Rogers was quoted as saying, instead of looking at the disaster, look at the helpers. Look for the people who are helping those who are hurt. Look for the helpers. Neighborhood, the Neighborhood ended its series, but it provided healing over and over and over. And I believe there are still reruns going today. You see, being an advocate for those who don't have a voice is not the easiest job. And it's certainly not the most comfortable. These are just examples of how we can move into our neighborhoods how we can be the family they need to share life, to help those who can't help themselves. And if you need another example, on April 14th, we are taking people to Selma on a mission trip to help rebuild houses. And Ed tells me he can always use more people. So I hope you will consider joining them. And what about that glory? We show God's glory when we represent Jesus and we bring the love 
to our neighbors. We are called to represent the God of grace and truth, the one who loves God's people and wants the best of, for them. So my question for us and for myself is what can you do in your neighborhood, in your town, in the, your world that needs the love of Christ? We have people among us who are serving in their neighborhoods, mentoring at-risk kids, tutoring, visiting our homebound and taking them communion, visiting nursing homes, working with the homeless, and going to far-off places like Guatemala to help people there. Where is God calling you to be Jesus with skin? Where can you show the light of Christ in being a good neighbor? God would like all of us to show his glory in our neighborhoods and beyond. We can serve just like Jesus did and with Jesus. Hmm, that sounds like our vision statement, doesn't it? Changed by grace, living and loving and serving with Jesus. So are you willing to be a good neighbor? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Pray with me. Gracious God, we have heard your word. We have heard how you came to earth and how you were a neighbor to all of us. Lord, we are overwhelmed by the love you have for us. And so we ask that you show us the ways we can show your love to all. Come, Father, join us in ministry as we go out into our neighbors. Amen. <laughs>